This week's episode is sponsored by Visual Media Church. Visual Media Church is one of the fastest growing church media companies creating worship backgrounds, social media posts, stock video, stock photography, and templates for your media needs. Go to visualmediachurch.com to sign up today, and when you do, use promo code Creative Church to get 20% off all their memberships. That's CRTV Church for 20% off. Go and sign up today. Hey creators, welcome to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. Today is Friday, May 11th, 2018, and I'm your host, Nick Gunner. Um, here with me today is Emily Cummins. How's it going? Hey, Emily. And to her digital right, my left, Ross Montgomery. Present. Present. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the Creative Church Podcast, Ross. Um, so last week, uh, for those of you that are um, avid listeners to the show, we weren't on last week because, you know life happened and you know things happened and uh i took off the entire week and i decided you know we're not going to record a podcast and we're just i'm going to take it easy and so we didn't have a podcast for a grave church podcast and so but we're back we're back today and uh i'm pretty pumped to be back guys um anything new happened over the you know two week span since you and you know we've been gone anything new happened in your lives you know, one or two things. Like, I turned 27. Whoop, you shared. I know. Um, I also had an Oreo cookie cake for my birthday. No shocker there. Okay, um, real quick. On the Oreo cookie cake, because I saw this on Instagram, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> that is technically an Oreo cookie cake, but it was not technically an Oreo cookie cake. That is true. Can you there fill everyone in what I mean? Yes. So someone messaged us this past week, like a legitimate cake that was an Oreo. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't something else. It was an Oreo in the version or form of a cake. Right. And uh, so that's not the kind of cookie cake I had. I had your classic cookie cake with like Oreos all over the top. Mm. Right. Which is not a which is not a technical Correct. Oreo cookie cake. Yeah. Um, it was like the chocolate chip cookie base um, yeah. with what appeared to be, was that blue frosting? It was purple. Come on. Purple. You know Sorry. my purple. color. Everything purple. purple. Come on, Nick. Purple I thought frosting. you knew me better that's why, than this. That's why Thanos is her favorite Marvel character. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you guys see the Avengers Infinity War? No. Yes. Ross, of course, is like, yes, I saw it three times. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, what do you think, Ross, real quick? Thought, for those, uh, uh, Emily, you haven't heard. You haven't I, seen I the I won't movie, spoil so. anything. Okay. Don't, don't spoil it for Emily. I. It is one of my favorite Marvel movies. It is. It so. is. It is fantastic. I saw it yes. twice. It's and, uh, very good. It is very good. It is very good. So listeners, listen, if you haven't seen the Avengers Infinity War yet, you're like, Emily, please go and do so. <laughs> and then listen um, to the pop culturist episode about it. And you can right. even eat Oreos while you watch it. Yeah. And Yay. speaking of Oreos, Emily, I'm sorry. I have forgotten to send <laughs> your peep Oreos. It's it has okay. been two weeks and I have literally forgotten each time it's to okay. put those in the middle. And I told you whenever we first, when I first got them. I'm going to be bad at getting these to you. So you did. You gave that. So disclaimer. I, I, I gave that disclaimer because I'm horrible at sending things in the mail. Because sending things in the mail in the apartment, for those of you that don't know, is basically the biggest task in your life. Oh yes. Um, you have to go to a mailbox or a PO box or a FedEx I feel or like something. We should get sponsored by Stamps.com. And yes. you talking like this. <laughs> well, even so, Stamps.com, I'd still have to go somewhere to get it. You know sent off oh you don't have like a drop box where you can put things and no and we don't interesting and the usps guy doesn't pick up this is interesting because you ready for this our apartments are so new that they do not pick up yet we're not in their system so that is like the weirdest thing in the world interesting like you think hey you know these apartments are being built hey maybe we should get you know like the usps guys or the ups guys you know we should loop them in nope nothing it's almost been a year still nothing so. Interesting. Wow. Well, our, our post office happens to be like right on my way to work, but that doesn't help you because you work in your apartment. <laughs> I'm just going to start sending everything I got to ship to Ross and he can drop it off. There on the you way. go. But then you would, that would still be redundant. <laughs> uh, Don't worry about it. We'll figure out the logistics We'll figure later. it out later. 
Okay, but real quick, guys, I just want to share this little tidbit with you. You know, um, you can't see me, obviously, because we're uh, on a podcast. Um, my wife was in Tulsa this last week, and uh, she was there for some business stuff she with her company, and um, she found in their storage area a mug. Okay, now those of you that love me will know that I'm a huge fan of Jay Leno. Um, I love the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. I gr- watched it every single night growing up. And now that he's gone, I'm kind of sad. I-, I do like Jimmy Fallon, but I really loved Jay Leno. Um, so she brings me back this cup. And I, I'm i going to cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this mug, okay, that I've been using ever since she got back oh, yesterday. Oh, I'm sure, nonstop. Nonstop. Is a official Tonight Show with Jay Leno mug. Oh, like literally oh, wow. used at one of the shows? Literally used at one of the shows. Okay. Wow. You ready for this? All right. On the back, it says guest one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Who knows who <laughs> use that? That'd be cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Know. She says she has no idea how they got it or how they obtained it or who used it. Um, but I'm just making up stories about it. So well, you could just say, I have a mug that was potentially used by Bruce Willis. <laughs> right, right, right. So anyway, so that that's my mug story. I'm really excited. I'm using it right now. Um, I don't normally drink hot things, but I made some tea, especially for this podcast, so that I could use it um, while while I was on the podcast. Yeah. But like I told Emily before the show started, I was drinking water out of it this morning. <laughs> like I'm just awesome. I'm just, just all in on this mug. Juice, some water, yeah, yeah. All, all things. So all listeners can hear me use my mug. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> mm, delicious. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. How's the how's Bruce Willis's lips taste? Oh my gosh, it's like <laughs> kissing him. Um, there you go. And this took a really weird turn. <laughs> really weird turn. Really weird turn. Alrighty. Uh, we have a great show planned for everyone today, minus us kissing Bruce Willis's lips. A little later, we're joined by Stephen Posey. Stephen is the content pastor over series and message developments for weekend services at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he is the founder of Mountain Men, a ministry with a mission to help men become better men through challenging mountain adventures with a small group focus. Up next, though, is Quips. Welcome to Quips. Each week we dive into the headlines, articles, and conversations making their rounds on the internet that are important to us and that we feel is impacting church, culture, or creators, and we discuss them. Ross, what do you have for us this week? Well, I came across an article that kind of made me think of, you know, have you guys ever like wanted to know the what makes it tick behind your job or the skills that you're working on to to better yourself professionally? Sure. Like yeah, the totally. science behind things, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Um, cause sometimes I've, I've wondered that I'm like, there's some ADD habits that I have and mm-hmm. different things. I'm like, I wonder if there's some science I can use to like be better focused, keep myself more organized, just be able to ideate better. And so I came across this, uh, article from the association for talent development and, um, the, the author kind of looked into a bunch of hours studying the success patterns um, of, of people who society deems creative greats. Um, and she's writing a book, I believe, or no, he is writing a book um, called The Creative Curve. And some of the f- main points that he had in his article was um, like do daily processes unconventionally, like finding a different way of doing something, like forcing yourself to make a sandwich differently. Use a mm-hmm. fork to spread stuff instead of a knife. Or, you know, so, something so real, simple, so, something So easy. real quick, so this is kind of like the science behind ways to increase your creativity. Is that right? Yeah. That's okay, cool. good. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is like... Okay, yeah, yeah, it, I forgot to say that. Sorry. Yeah. The The title of it is Five Science-Based Methods to Increase Your Creativity. So okay, cool, my cool. apologies for not clearing that up. See, ADD, I'm, I'm already in the article, totally forgot yeah. he's, about he's already he was, He's already leaving the points, and the writer um, over here and me is just grinding his teeth. So going, now I'm going to tell someone you please about fill our new baby audience. bunnies. No, um, <laughs> uh, but no, they, uh, there is a... Like for that one, for the doing daily processes unconventionally, there was researchers gathered a pool of Dutch college students and divided them into two groups. And they asked one group to just prepare this um, sandwich, which is a butter and chocolate chip sandwich, which is apparently mm. popular Interesting. in as um, a common Dutch breakfast. And the other group was asked to prepare the same sandwich a different way. 
Um, and then they were given a test to measure cognitive flexibility. And the studies found that the students who prepared the breakfast sandwich in the unconventional way scored better on the cognitive flexibility test than those that made the sandwich the normal way you'd make a sandwich or that sandwich. So um, it's just interesting. And, and there's some other points that he had of like, stop sharing your ideas with others. They found that people that um, brainstorm by themselves can come up with more ideas than if you kind of oh, have even a small group of four people um, brainstorming. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen this before. Like, uh, have you guys ever watched the YouTube video? It's it's like a satire vid video where it's called like group think. And uh, it's about the NASA team that was launching one of the space shuttles that uh, finally, I guess they went down and how a couple of the guys in the group had the idea that this might be the case, but they were too scared to speak up because um, basically they group thanked it. They overthought oh, it all. Oh, interesting. Wow. And it just, or just kind of caved into what other people were saying in the group or. Right. Yeah. So the good ideas sometimes get eliminated whenever you're brainstorming with other people. Now that's a great, great huh. so that's interesting. correlation. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. And then other points, more choices equal less creativity. I think we've mm. said this on here before of, you know, the more, options you have if you're not working within restrictions sometimes it can hinder creativity more than uh really help it flourish because sometimes working within constraints tends to make us a little more creative um, that's been studied a lot and so that's pretty obvious to me but um, dark rooms spark innovative moments wow. uh, that one they found that people who are kind of in a darker room had more creative insights than individuals in well-lit rooms so mm -hmm. You know, just kind of think about your surroundings that you're working in when you're doing these kind of things. That, that made me think of like, um, and, and even the next one, it says um, blue, the color for trust and creativity and how colors can have an effect psychologically on your mood. Um, just like, you know, are your conference rooms stuffy or do they in, encourage um, creativity as you're maybe meeting there to brainstorm, meeting there to talk ideas like, you know, maybe kind of literally set the mood with your conference rooms, with your office, like whatever space that you, those things are going to take place in, you need to make it a space that, that is conducive to that. And I think it's important to look at all of that. So I thought it was Ooh. super interesting. They're pretty quick little, they kind of talk about the things in there and it sounds like a book I'd, I'd be willing to check out once he's done writing it. So uh, yeah, look, it sounded interesting to me. So I want to go a little bit into number four, uh, yeah, dark rooms sure. spark innovative moments is uh, what is their what is their thought process behind so here's that? what it said it said we all want to have more creative moments it's pretty short um but many would be surprised that changing the lighting in our environment can make a big difference researchers put three subject groups in three different rooms of different lighting and found individuals who worked in dark rooms had more creative insights than individuals who worked in well-lit rooms so and, and that's to me that just kind of spoke to when i'm kind of in clinical rooms if things feel like too much fluorescent light or very you know stuffy as i mm -hmm. like to call it then i'm you know i'll check out i'm like mm, no but i i have been um when i worked in alaska we had a room our conference room had warm light we had some decorations around the room and it felt like a much easier environment to talk about things just throw ideas out and have conversations and it didn't feel stuffy it didn't feel like we're here to meet for meetings you know yeah. and that kind of thing so no oh, very cool one of the best creative meetings i was ever in like utilized these principles so we were planning christmas and rather than just sit in our conference room that wouldn't spark christmas creativity in the summer um, we actually went to someone's house and they had completely decorated it for christmas and like Christmas tree was up, Christmas music was playing, there were Christmas snacks, hot chocolate, <laughs> and the environment itself just evoked such fun ideas and like a camaraderie with our team that we were able to experience what we were trying to create rather than just come up with it on our own. So that's a good idea. Yeah, cool. I think like there is a science to what makes something tick. Like this article is awesome. Uh, now, Emily, uh, what do you got for us this week? So do either of y'all use Evernote? Yes. Yeah? Uh, I heart it. You heart it. I don't use Evernote. <gasps> Nick! I, I, use, I use Google Drive and notes on my 
on my iPhone. That's the only really? two notes I use. Yeah. <gasps> okay. See, I use notes on my iPhone for forever. Mm-hmm. And then last year, a friend introduced me to Evernote, and I just can't go back to notes yeah. on my phone. They're yep. just so unorganized compared to how I can organize everything in Evernote. Um, and so I I'm, found I'm just already typically unorganized, no matter what. <laughs> so it's just it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Evernote. I if if you're saying that I can make Evernote unorganized, I will. Um, oh, I will do it my quickly. Goodness. Well, I found this cool article on Fast Company um, from Evernote's CEO, actually, and he was sharing how he stays productive all week long. So he said, "No, first, wait, wait, wait! Tell him, tell, tell everybody how many notes he personally has." Wait, first, uh, do you want to guess, or have both of you already read this? I, I know, I read. The I article. don't read the articles going in. Okay, so Nick, I'll, how, I'll, I'll be how many? Guess. All right, I'm going to guess that the guy from Evernote. The who CEO runs of Evernote. Evernote probably has like in a week or just all together. No, just in all general. In ge- yeah. Oh, to get, oh pff, he probably has like a million notes. Oh, well, that was a little high. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little high. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he I has just assumed. 10,000. Oh, okay. Well, 10, that's, that's, that's all. <laughs> I got, like, got 10,000 notes on my iPhone. What? Okay. I have like 256 in my really? Evernote. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I have that many. I maybe have I just over 100. Like that's a lot of notes. Yeah. I mean, but how notes. often are you guys writing down notes? Like I'm oh, writing down notes constantly. Daily? Like I just took I took a note while Ross was doing his or his, his, his quip. <laughs> I took a note while while Ross was doing his quip. See, there you go. I, yeah, well, so. I did too, but oh. I actually <laughs> I actually wrote it on a piece of paper. Every once in a while, I I stay old school, but then mm-hmm. I just like import it to my Evernote later. But um, so 10,000, 10,000 notes. Yeah, That's pretty know. good. That's big time. That's big time. Right. And then the question begs, how do you stay organized with 10,000 notes and being the CEO of a massive like company that's, you know, helping the rest of us stay organized with our notes? How do you stay productive? Mm-hmm. So in this article, he unpacked several different, you know, key points that I found interesting. Um, there were a couple that I wrote down in my Evernote to use uh, this <laughs> week. By the way, full disclosure, this podcast is in no way, shape, or form <laughs> sponsored by Evernote. But we however, should be. However, if Evernote does sponsor the podcast, I will become a user. So Ooh. just full disclosure. Full disclosure, Evernote. That's amazing. If you want my illustrious l- uh, um, uh, archive of notes, then, then go ahead and sponsor this. <laughs> All right, so Evernote CEO shares how he stays productive all week long through several different points in this article. Now, granted, in mind, he has 10,000 notes in his Evernote, and he syncs his calendar, like everything, with Evernote. Um, Oh, can you sync your calendar with Evernote? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Wow. Okay. Dude, there are some, like, power user tips for Evernote. It's incredible. Wow, I might become an Evernote user after Mm -hmm. all. Wait, Might Ross, not even need to become a sponsor. What's your favorite power user tip? Um, having the Evernote Clipper in your browser. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. I heart oh. that a lot. But also the mobile app uh, yes. is just very intuitive for like if you're you know taking a picture of something you want to put oh, that yeah. to like an idea inspiration thing or just do a text thing real quick. It's like super easy on mobile as well. Absolutely. So one of my favorite ideas that the CEO uses is assigning every workday a theme. Mm -hmm. And when I first read that and was reading through what his daily themes are, it started to click and make a lot of sense for me. Often I'll finish up a workday, I'm driving home and Mm -hmm. I'm mentally thinking back through that workday and asking myself, okay, Emily, what did you accomplish today? And later in the article, he talks about resisting letting emails dictate the mm. workday. And way too often do I fall trap, um, fall into that trap of letting emails just dictate what I do. And then I'm mm-hmm. driving home and wondering what I actually got done. And so I like that concept of assigning a theme. I mean, do either of you guys do that right now? I, I've definitely had to with a with a recent work schedule change um, Thursdays and Fridays have become my day off. So my condensed work week has had to be more focused to make sure I hit my deadlines and everybody else has the things they need from me. So it's been super great to make myself be focused, to know what I'm doing each day and be like, this is the day that I spend on announcements. This is the day I spend on organizing my volunteer team, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. 
That's awesome. So, it's been great. Same here. Um, you know, I run two, three different companies. So Creative Church is like one, two, three, the first three days of the week. Then I run another company on Thursdays and another company on Friday. So this has helped me tremendously theming those days and making sure that I'm on task for everything that's ahead. So yeah, totally. That's awesome. I agree with the Evernote CEO on this. 100%. Well, I, I wrote this uh, note down in my Evernote to start creating <laughs> some themes for my days. Uh, another idea that he had shared, and I actually do utilize this, is keeping meetings to a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally I had almost open-ended meetings scheduled with my team, and now I've reduced it to everyone gets a 30-minute weekly connect. And at first that seemed a little daunting, watching everybody's eyes get really big. Like, we only get 30 minutes And the why behind that is to keep us just sitting in a room meeting to a minimum and everyone has to come prepared to that meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to have an agenda. We know what we're doing. Questions need to be prepared in advance. And it just it keeps us on task and uber productive. Unless, Uh, of course, you're the Creative Church podcast in which we get an hour each week. So (laughs) to all of those that are listening that are on Emily's staff, (laughs) eat it. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no. Well, I it's, mean... a, it's really interesting that that was one of the ones that really stuck out to you is, um, I don't know if you follow Annie F. Downs yeah. on Instagram. Well, she was just talking about how they do a later meeting on Monday. Usually they do like a an all staff kind of thing. Um, they used to do like a 9 a.m. Boom, you're in, you're doing a meeting, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But a lot of, she said a lot of people she works with oh, work yeah. for a church. And so I, I could see this working perfect in a church setting is either like, move your all staff meeting to like a Tuesday or like a later yep. on a Monday. So people kind of have a chance to process the weekend if they're in on a Monday to really kind of just um, maybe prepare for the meeting so they don't feel like they just have to rush in and go, go, go. Exactly. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. Exactly. Cool. No, it's, I liked that point a lot. And then the third um, point that really stood out to me, and I, I want to begin implementing this today, um, but he calls it his hashtag tomorrow list. Mm. And so every single night he writes out three big things he needs to tackle the next day and he puts them in order. So they're prioritized. So then when he gets to tomorrow morning, he's already set in place and in motion the three things he needs to tackle. And he focuses on getting those three big rocks done. Um, And I like that. Like I I typically at the beginning of every week have a really big running to-do list, but the concept of taking three items from that list and putting it on a tomorrow list helps break apart the massive list and it feels very doable rather than like insurmountable. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, I can agree with this. I don't do it on a tomorrow basis though, because I feel like that's not enough time, turnaround time for me. But then again, I'm not, I'm pretty structured with what I, what I take in work-wise. So like what I do is I just have each day has three big things that has to get done that I already know about. Like, you know, for instance, Mondays, I have to make sure the podcast is recorded and edited um, all of our podcasts. And then I have to make sure on like Tuesdays that certain articles are out and Wednesdays, Thursdays, so on and so forth. So I like the idea, but I would almost push back and see how the Evernote CEO isn't here to defend himself. (laughs) I can do that. I would push back and say, really find out what you could do to make it more systemized so that you know what you're going into each week. Because a lot of us have jobs where we're not a CEO, that our work days are going to change completely different every week. Mm -hmm. And there are still a lot of tasks that we have to get done that we always feel like we're not getting done. Mm -hmm. So really go ahead and sit down. What are my big tasks for the week? And divide those up into three and then put them on each, each, each on one day versus absolutely thinking about it the night before. So no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Take that Evernote CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Again, if you sponsor us, I'll use your product. (laughs) (laughs) And Ross and I will continue using it because we're already bought into the system. They are completely, they are Evernote. What what is it like an Evernote fan base? What do you guys call yourself? Evernoties? What is it? (laughs) I think that's Ever the new notice. name or we now. we could just call ourselves the Faithful Elephants. <laughs> the Faithful <laughs> yes. Elephants. The Elephants in the Room. Mm. Mm. I like it. Ooh. I like it. There we go. All right. Well, I want to go ahead and move on, get the podcast moving, because we've had a we've had a few technical difficulties that no one's heard today, um, hopefully. <laughs> um, guys, there's a new movement among young tech workers, um, and it's called FIRE. Have any of you heard of FIRE? Have not. No. No. Have not. Okay. Well, FIRE stands for Financially Independence Retire Early. Ooh. 
And uh, as, both, as both of you may already know, millennials are constantly hounded for not being the best with or not being the best financial experts in the market. Um, according to this article from The Hustle that I read, some of 66% of 21 through 32-year-olds have absolutely no savings, and one-third mm. don't actively think about retirement. Oh, wow. Now, be honest with me, guys. Have you guys ever thought about retirement? Yes. yes. Okay. Are you financially planning for retirement? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm not. All right. Well, you might be interested in fire then. In the article from The Hustle, the fire movement is seeking to change the idea that we have to retire at 65. Hmm. Their idea is that we're going to start retiring earlier. Um, and for many of them, it's the 21 through 30 year olds who want to retire at age 30. They're doing this by dramatically um, reducing their cost of living and they are increasing their costs and in investments um, so that whenever they get to age 30, they can retire for the rest of their lives. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of math to this and there's a lot of investment tactics, um, but I didn't want to bore everyone and I also didn't want to misrepresent the numbers. So I'm just simplifying this as much as I humanly can. Um, so my question for you both is, would you be of interest in something like retiring at the age of 45, 30? Well, since I'm past 30, um, I'll go for the 45 option. And <laughs> go for 45, yes. Mark. Yes, that would be something you'd be interested in. Oh, yeah. Or or just, you know, being able to be where I could I could or could not do projects that I would be interested mm -hmm. in. I could totally. kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do at my own pace. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, now, I, I will explain this. On the FIRE movement, there is not like, I, I, this is like the people that I read into about this. They're not like, you know, oh, this would be nice if this happened, if I made a certain amount of money. They are like literally living on like $20,000 a month or $20,000 a year. And uh, they make like 1,000, $165,000. Um, oh, wow. So, but they're tech workers. So that's, that's yeah, their thing. That's a little different. And then their plan is. <laughs> they're not once, in ministry. <laughs> right. They're not in ministry. Um, <laughs> and then their plan is once they get to 30, they're going to move to like a cheap city and just live out the rest of their life. Um, so, Emily, real quick, the same question. Does that sound like something of interest to you? I mean, I agree with what Ross had shared for sure. Um, having the freedom to just pick and choose the projects that I would want to do would definitely interest me. I mm -hmm. love what I get to wake up and do every day. So yeah. even just doing that for free, like, cool, you know. Very cool. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with both of you. I read this article, and while it did sound very interesting to me, um, it would not interest me one bit. <laughs> no? I could not imagine retiring at the age of 30. Like, that's five years off for me. I was like, that just goes against everything that I'm about. <laughs> like, I am I am work till you die type person. So I was like, no, nope, I'm not even interested in this. So um, I, it was kind of lost thing. But I, I thought it was interesting. I thought there was a group of people out there that wanted to change yeah. that status quo. And uh, so, I, I, you know, just brought those people to you. Um, now, real quick. If you could retire at the age of 30, 40, 50, um, and basically any year younger than 65, um, I mean, because even at 65, you still got a lot of life ahead of you. But if you're retiring yeah. at 50, you got a whole lot of life right. left ahead of you. 40, same thing. 30, if you retire at 30, basically, I assume you're going to die at 65 because you're going to run out of things. To do. Um, <laughs> yeah, like two thirds of your life would be you, retirement you, near you. Right, right, right. So real quick, if you could retire at an early age, like 30, 40, or 50, what would you do? Yeah, I feel like I would show up and keep doing what I am doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. That's I mean, not retiring, Emily. <laughs> You're not retiring. Well, then I'd do it for free. I don't know. Like, oh, I, I, love, I love my job as exec director. And then everything I do with Becoming Me.TV already is for free. So, um, so yeah. Okay, Ross? You? Yeah, I think um, if I did get to that point, I would I would want to, you know, hopefully be at a place where I've built a good career and started some mm -hmm. things. And I'd love to, uh, like, um, be a consultant of sorts. Ooh, that's um, cool. Just kind of, again, on my own time kind of thing. Okay, cool. So you actually have a plan. You actually have a retirement plan ready. Emily and I are just doing the same thing until we die. Well, I definitely want to travel with my kids. I want them to experience a lot of things. So that would be part of okay. it too. That's oh, cool. cool. 
Emily, cool. Emily, I'm going to re-ask you the question. Not you heard Ross's answer. <laughs> I'm give you another you chance. You know that there's other <laughs> options out there. Don't do what I'm doing. Don't live like I'm living. But see, Emily, okay, the core of honestly, your answer, though. I do get okay. and agree with. Like, I okay. just, I believe in what I do so much, yeah. I can't not I totally do it. Totally get that. Yeah. You right. know? But I would want to sprinkle in some traveling, some, like, running some races, all the other stuff that Ross said, too. You know? See, I feel like I'm in a boat where I'm already doing what I want to do. Yeah. Like, I enjoy living like I live. And, uh, you know, I live in, in Disney World, essentially. <laughs> so I love already everything that I'm about. Um, and I don't, I don't, I couldn't receive, see myself retiring. And if I did retire, I would imagine I'd just be doing the same thing. Yeah. So I guess, I guess my pay would be smaller. I don't know. I guess that's the only thing I would see myself doing. But no, that's interesting. That's interesting. Both, I love both of your answers, though. Um, Emily, just so you know, you're not retiring. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that's not a retirement plan. Uh, I'm glad that you planned for retirement, but just so you know, if what you're doing after you're retiring is the same thing that you're doing now, I don't know if that's retiring. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, next up is our interview with Stephen Posey. This week's featured interview is with Stephen Posey. Stephen is in his 18th year of marriage to his beautiful wife, Ruth, and they have three amazing young children. He's been a part of Church on the Move for more than 20 years and has been on staff for 16 of those years. Now serving as the content pastor, Stephen leads series and message development for weekend services and content development for discipleship resources. Stephen is one of the co-founders of Mountain Men, a ministry with a mission to help men become better men through challenging mountain adventures with, with a small group focus. Here's part of our conversation with Stephen Posey. What got you started in ministry, like a heart to do something with ministry? Well, I'm a third generation pastor. Uh, my, my granddad and my dad were both pastors in the United Methodist Church in South Georgia. Okay. And so it was rural churches. And, you know, you just you, to, to have family time with dad meant to hop in the truck with him and go to visit different people's houses and go to the hospital. And you know, you're in church, obviously, every time the doors are open. And, uh, you know, some, some preacher's kids run from that and, uh, you know, kind of have a, have a hard time with that. And kind of the opposite happened with me. Hmm. I fell in love with the local church and <clears throat> the power of relational discipleship at a very young age. My dad was my hero. My granddad was my hero. And, um, but at the same time, I, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with the idea that I was going to be a pastor. And, uh, and so I, I went to college thinking, you know, I'm, you know, first I was a theology major just because, mm. you know, it was kind of the default yeah. setting. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and then about halfway in, I said, you know, I, I don't know that I'll be able to get a job <laughs> with a theology degree and I want to be able to make money and, um, propose to my girlfriend. And so, um, I uh, got a degree in mass media communications, TV production, something about that just captured my imagination. Hmm. And just, you know, to be able to help magnify uh, the name of Jesus and the truth of the gospel and to be able to help connect people to, to that message in any way that I could. And at that time, you know, TV was kind of the thing. This is this is the, uh, the early 90s. And uh, in fact, I remember coming to my dorm room, uh, talking to a friend and I said, Hey man, what you been up to? And he said, uh, he's like, Oh, I was just uh, coming from the library and I was, uh, you know, surfing the web, looking on the internet. And I said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, I have a, an analog past and of course under, had to understand digital media as well. But, uh, so understood film and, and TV and, and got that degree and started working at church on the move right out of college. Um, basically said, you know, showed up, um, I had some friends who worked here and at the time they were, you know, church on the move was doing the, the most amount of film style TV production in all of Oklahoma. And so I just showed up and said, Hey, put me to work. And when you can't do without me, pay me. And, uh, and so, um, I got, that's how I kind of got in and, uh, worked in that area for about five years. And, uh, all along the, the way, uh, knew that I, I still had a, a real desire for, um, you know, maybe you'd say tr more traditional to be more traditional pastor. And, uh, and so, uh, 
had worked in the creative world for five years, learned a ton and, uh, and, and helped, uh, as a, as a writer and a director and, uh, you know, kind of learned the, the disciplines of being a creative and, uh, and then use those in, in the next phase, which just happened to be as an assistant pastor and, um, helping innovate and, and create new types of ministry here, um, uh, in the, in the early two thousands. Do you feel like uh, all of this was a gradual build upon, like you said, your heart for ministry? Or do you feel like there was some milestones or particular moments that that put you in those positions or captured your, your mind to want to do those things or eat through relationships or that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, you... you... Uh, you know, when you, when you first step into anything creative, it's, it is incredibly intimidating, uh, because everybody you love and everybody you respect and uh, the, you know, ev- the, you know, the, maybe the, the thing that captured your imagination, um, in the early days, it just seems so far away, especially when you first start out, Yeah, everything you do is bad and you're <laughs> judging it against what you think is, is where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like you'll never get there. And, uh, and so there certainly were some strategic relationships along the way where, you know, mentors would, would just say, hey, I, I see this particular gift in you. And, you know, you can't do this, this particular thing full time. So, so at the time I was writing, um, you know, you're not at that place. You're a production assistant right now. So, you know, keep, keep picking up the trash around the set, you know, for now. But, uh, but also start, you know, in your own time. Um, working on that gift and, uh, and, and, you know, if you've got a, a treatment for a script that you want to send me, I, I'm all ears. And, uh, and so that's kind of, uh, that was kind of how I made my way into, to being one of the, one of the writers in, in our context, um, in those early days. But yeah, man, I, I, I think, um, you know, maybe, maybe if there's, there's a, a young creative listening uh, or someone who's doesn't really think they're all that creative, but they just like this kind of thing. Um, just know that, uh, you know, it's God, it's, it's hard to steer a parked car, right? I mean, so, <laughs> so if you take those steps and, you know, you take the risk of, of doing something creative um, and just being around it, that, uh, that there's a whole world uh, and, and uh, of creatives that are out there that are willing to help and that know what it's like to be in that position. And, I think that's that's a part of what you were talking about. That the the value of this community of of creative church is that uh, we're here to encourage each other and share ideas. And uh, believe it or not, the you know the people that are further along creatively uh, maybe are looking for um, those that that fresh set of eyes or that fresh set of ears yeah. in the yeah, creative sure. world because that's where you know, some of the most innovative things happen and they may, maybe all innovative things happen on the, on the fringes, um, and not necessarily with, with, uh, well-established, um, creatives. So, yeah, as you, as you stepped out into, you know, kind of a, a creative in ministry type, uh, desire, do you feel that anything that you were coming into with church on the move was necessarily groundbreaking at the time or, or looking back on it now, do you see how that kind of, you know, might've been ahead of its time almost? Well, you know, you know, I grew up, um, you know, my, my our founding pastor's name is Willie George. For mm-hmm. those who don't know, he, um, he was particularly innovative in kids ministry. You know, the, back in the, in the seventies and eighties, there, there really was no such thing as kids ministry, there's Sunday school, of course. Yeah. Um, seventies, eighties, nineties, he, he really uh, was a pioneer in that area. And, uh, and, and so much so that he was, uh, a pioneer in television with that as well, with a show called the gospel bill show, which was, uh, you know, one of the longest running kids television shows, syndicated tele- kids television shows in history, Christian or not. And, um, and so I, I knew, I did have a sense coming into this that, uh, that the people I was working with had a, had a bent towards doing new things. They're unafraid to try things. And, and maybe, um, maybe the thing that surprised me the most when I first started working with, with Willie George and then eventually with Wit George is how ruthless they were with their own ideas. Hmm. Um, 
totally unafraid to to cut and edit their own stuff and 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 maybe even more ruthless about cutting things that weren't working hmm. um, whether that was established ministries money making things things that that at one time you know you could potentially if you're in their position you might tend to find your identity in those things and they were they were they I keep using the word ruthless but that's <laughs> I don't know of a better way to say it I mean they just would would if they knew it was the right decision they would uh you know to use a a biblical word they they pair off unfruitful vines and uh whether that's a a, a low you know an, an early idea or like I said a well established ministry so yeah every time every time we look at something to do something that we're not looking to say is this innovative and will this get attention that you know the the dead center bullseye is, is is always is it effective yeah kind of hold it with an open hand to be willing to kill the darlings as it is that's it yeah yeah so so um yes a lot of innovative things have happened over the years here but but I, I, like i said i don't know that uh that that was the target i think that those were um those were the, you know, the secondary or tertiary benefits of, yeah. you know, you know, maybe that's a way to know that you're you're being effective is that this idea works not yeah. just where you are, but uh, in other contexts. Well, it seems like with a lot of, especially in ministry anyway, you see kind of the, the more successful or prominent um, churches doing these new ideas is they aren't doing it for the sake of being the coolest or the newest. Exactly. Um, you know, despite what just an objective uh, surface level view can give, but they truly, like you said, want to be effective at reaching people and they want to do it the best way. So as they, you know, cause I'm sure, and you can probably speak to this. There's a lot of trial and error through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, you have to, uh, you have to put yourself out there and be be willing to fail, and uh, <laughs> you know, on, in whatever whatever platform, whatever medium, whatever program, um, and then you have to be willing to uh, willing to be open to to critique yourself uh, with the things that you that you create, and you, you use the words open handed. That's a that is a big deal with us and any and any creative. You know, you you pour your heart into to that piece of art you're, you're creating. Um, and so it's, it's really easy to, to find your identity in those things. And to the point where you're overly sensitive about, um, critique and, um, you can't, that, uh, what, what opens us, you know, the, uh, people who work in, uh, creative type, uh, roles here, what, what keeps us open to those things Honestly, his leadership is is that way. Uh, our lead pastor, Whit George, is maybe the most um, critical of himself and of, of his own ideas, and doesn't. You know, there's there's a sense in which once you begin creating, you have to distrust your your ideas, and you have to vet them, and you have to you have to uh, surround yourself with like healthy people that that you can trust. That's it. That's it. Yeah, people who will be honest. Yeah, people who in love. You know, I mean, it's a it's a team kind of a a culture. So that's it. Yeah, surround yeah. yourself with people you can trust. And um, as as you got into, you said you got into more of an assess, assistant pastor position. Uh -huh. Was there ever time that that again, you know, you, there's all this growth. Church on the Move did kind of start with coming off the success of gospel bill and all that, mm -hmm. um, did it ever feel like there was a time there was any shaky ground that you, you as a, what, what you were involved with or just as a church, it, it, the ground might've felt a little shaky. Absolutely. There were, uh, you, you know, you, once you, before you achieve any kind of success, you always, you know, kind of the, the internal question is, are we ever going to get there? Hmm. And then once you get a certain amount of what, you know, I use the word success loosely. Yeah. Once you bear fruit, yeah. you start to think, am I going to be able to keep it? Am I hmm. going to be able to maintain it? And, um, and so, so yeah, from, 
I mean, in, in there, you have to realize in the, in the early nineties, um, a church of 5,000 was one of the top 10 churches in, in America. There weren't churches of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000, um, like there are today. And, um, you know, you, they're just churches had not quite cracked that code. Um, and so we, we went through several transitions, um, but but one of the biggest was, um, you know, we started to realize the way that we, way that we worship, uh, our, our worship services, the the style, the decor, the uh, even just the way that we talk on stage, our presenters, our videos, all of it was quickly outdated, and 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 not just not just from a standpoint of, you know, as we alluded to earlier, not just from a standpoint of, um, this isn't cool anymore. But but really more, um, do we have an opportunity to reach uh, a, a different segment of people if we go ahead with this change? Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's a lot of capital connected with that. There's a lot of there's a lot not just financially. There's a lot of leadership capital connected with asking people to make major changes. And um, so many people have a strong aversion to change, creative or not. Uh, that that uh, that yeah. And when you walk through a season like that. It certainly feels uh, sketchy, uh, and and you uh, you know you have to uh, you have to trust uh, you know put your trust in God and and just to remind yourself of the gospel that that that's that the that the outcome is not the point that being faithful with what you have in your hand is the point and with bearing fruit is the point and uh, and uh, you know we we happen to be. You know, those of us that worked um, through that season, we happened to be connected to a a ministry that was that had had some success, uh, but that didn't mean that the next phase would be successful. And uh, and mm. and so, um, yeah, th- w- at the time when I stepped out of my role uh, as a writer in our in our film team uh, and stepped into a role of, as a pastor, my uh, my job was to innovate new types of ministries. One of those was a sports ministry. And, you know, we, th- that was a, a pretty hot thing for, uh, in the early two thousands and it worked for a season, but it, it, it just, it didn't do what we thought it would do. And, mm. uh, and so we, that was one of the things we ended up having to, uh, one of the things that, that died on the altar of change. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, then, then I eventually, uh, transitioned into the next role. To find out more about Stephen Posey, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All. Each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer online in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week we asked, who is your favorite superhero and why? However, my life got a little bit crazy and I forgot to post a question. Therefore, we never received any feedback. So I'll take the L on that and move on to this week's reply all, which is based on an earlier conversation as we talked about um, retiring early. So I wanted to ask you, the people, what would you do if you could retire at an early age of like 30 or 40? So Ross, Emily, real quick, recap your answers. What are you doing if you're retiring early? Just real quick, just real quick. Consulting know. and traveling. We're, tra- we're consulting and traveling, Emily. Never retiring. Never retiring. <laughs> and then for the hashtag never retire club, Nick Goodner says never retiring as well. <laughs> so hashtag never retire. That's, hey, that should be our movement, Emily. Boom. Oh, you got I love the it. fire movement? We'll be the hashtag never retire movement. <laughs> yeah, I don't think ours is going to be that popular. Oh, no, I think it will be because really? uh, I, I know several people who are of retiring age <laughs> who cannot retire. So oh. hashtag retire movement is going to be a huge hit. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Really, our basis is love what you do so much that you're not willing to retire exactly yeah we, we have a really awesome movement like going on i here. don't need a vacation from my life my life is a vacation i love oh, my there life you go. boom there we go emily i love this so <laughs> thank you just to recap <laughs> what would you do if you could retire at the early age of like 30 or 40 or 50 for those of you that are older in our creative talks group um if you want to join that conversation you can do so just head over to facebook 
type in Creative Talks at CRTV Talks and uh, look for the reply all question of the week. And we normally post about Monday. So you can check those out. On that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. You can also review this episode and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and more people can learn about Evernote even if they don't sponsor us. Mm, yes. That's true. But just so we're clear, <laughs> we're fine with an Evernote sponsorship. Yes. Yes. yes we are we're totally completely fine. fine Especially with Nick, who yes. was very difficult mm-hmm. to tell if he was for or against. Exactly. I, I am for, yeah, just want to cut this clear. I am for the Evernote sponsorship. Um, and if Evernote sponsors us to sweeten the deal, so to speak, I will. I will become a user. And that's, that's <laughs> just so everyone knows, that's a prerequisite for every single sponsorship we get. I'm yeah, always a user. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's, we only, we only spot, we only let the best sponsors sponsor Creative Church. Um, lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can find us by searching our handle, Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV Church. Special thanks to Steven for joining us today. You can check out all that he's doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. Uh, also, special thanks to Visual Media Church, another great and wonderful sponsor of the show. And I'm also a user of their product. Uh, <laughs> do us a big favor. Go check them out and snag the that 20% discount when you use offer code Creative Church. That's one word, CRTV Church. And and real quick, on the Evernote sponsorship, you know, Evernote, if you're if you're interested, you not only get my podcast, this podcast, this glorious thing, but you also get Ross and Emily's as well. Mm, so I'm just yeah. saying, sweeten that deal. Well, I'm saying you might need to be sending some emails, Mr. Gunner. I'm I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah. I mean, be like, becoming me uses Evernote for like every episode we record. I'm just saying. All I'm saying is um, uh, this is not how you get sponsorship. You don't sponsor <laughs> the product prior to it yes and then try to get it that's i don't this is why we're in the hole that we're in <laughs> come on nick lead I'm us sorry. to higher ground we'll, we'll cut this all out all right anyway uh <laughs> in the meantime i'm nick goodner i'm seriously considering changing my na- last name to evernote and i'm emily cummins and we will see you next episode Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Creative Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church. Also, don't forget to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer on the Creative Church Podcast Network. 